Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast alongside SunDevilSource.com publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. Chris, the biggest day of the offseason has now come and gone. National Signing Day was here. Arizona State signed a class of 19 new recruits, and we'll get into that momentarily. We will talk all about each of Arizona State's signees, talk about this class makeup, talk about how it's stacked up nationally and around the Pac-12 and historically at Arizona State. But first, there was so much going on on SunDevilSource.com on signing day. We would be remiss if we didn't recap all the content we have for you to jump on and go ahead and check out. We had a premium podcast the night of signing day where we were able to go extremely in-depth on the way this recruiting class was made up on the different prospects that ASU sign and how we project those prospects to look in the future. We put out content throughout the day on signing day. Every 20 minutes, we had a new article. We had evaluations that were premium of each of Arizona State signees looking at those players as prospects. We had highlight tapes of each of ASU's signees as well. Those are for everyone to check out. We also had getting to know pieces where you could meet the players. We did Q&As with the majority of the ASU signing class. Those were excellent as well. Get to learn a lot about some of the interesting characters the Sunday signed. Chris, we had a 16-year comparative analysis of the class. Uh, Looking back at ASU's recruiting classes in history, we looked at the in-state progress Todd Graham has made. We had a signing day recap, which included thoughts from assistant coaches as well. It was a banner day for SunDevilSource.com. This is is our flagship opportunity to really uh, show fans what we're all about. And it's something that takes us a lot of time putting it together throughout the year and then in the week immediately preceding letter of intente. I thought it went off relatively well for us. Um, no big surprises. We got out all the content that we really wanted to get out. As you said, Kerry, there was um, basically an hour dedicated to every single recruit that we had um, um, that filled the day and we still have more yet to go um, just to kind of tie up the, the the most recent additions for ASU. There's about three more evaluations that we have to do, but um, I think people in the sanctuary really enjoyed it and we were happy with the way that the day unfolded. Again, if you want to get a taste of our content, if you are not yet a subscriber to SunDevilSource.com, you can check out Chris's column on the in-state progress that Todd Graham has made. Check out my recap of signing day, which included thoughts from assistant coaches that were made throughout the day on the new signees and how they fit into ASU schemes. We also had those highlight tapes and the getting to know pieces. Those are for everyone. And you know what else is for everyone? The scout rankings and the scout average star rankings, where you can see exactly how ASU's class stacked up nationally. The Sun Devils putting together the 44-ranked class, Chris, but that's a little deceiving. You know, um, just kind of jumping back, the the thing that I really also want to reiterate is we, we have an, an independent process. Uh, people are going to look at scout rankings or they're going to look at our competitors' rankings and maybe they're going to get a sense of what the class is like both um, uh, how it stacks up against other programs in the Pac-12 and nationally, and then against ASU in, in the past. But then we have this whole other additional layer that we provide, which uh, has an independent evaluation process. There's a demonstrated level of success at doing that in terms of how the guys actually uh, play out in their ASU careers. 
And I think that's that's important too. And now you're back to your question, which was really about where yeah, ASU, ASU finishing 44th nationally. That's the second worst mark the Sun Devils have put together in the last 16 years. Only the 64th ranked class that Dennis Erickson put together in 2011 was worse than this 44th ranked class. But by some other metrics, this class is can be evaluated on a completely different level. Well, a few things to note here. Uh, one is that scout. Uh, includes up to 25 guys for ratings purposes. Um, the the uh, there were classes that signed clearly less talent at the top through the middle of their uh, classes, but they signed 25 guys, and that additional um, seven players for for rankings purposes had a big impact on where ASU finished in the national team rankings at 44th. Um, I think. Uh, pretty much everybody that that I've talked with about this would agree that the 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 bottom five to ten guys are not nearly as important as the top ten to fifteen that you sign in, in a class. Um, we we have always looked more at the average star rating as a better barometer of predictive um, success of what a, what a, what a, what a class is going to end up being. So so while ASU did fall short of its targets in terms of the class size, which we had forecast pretty consistently at 21 to 23 as a goal. And they, so they, they, they missed that by a couple, and that's because they weren't able to close on guys late in the process that they had hoped to be able to lock in. Um, their average star ranking relative to the, the, the previous 15 years was actually pretty good. Yeah, they finished with an average star rating of 3.22, and that's thanks to seven four-star recruits at the top of the class. And when you put that into some historical perspective and look at Todd Graham's most recent recruiting classes at ASU, it's his third best class in terms of average star rating. Not close to touching the 3.43 he put together with the Sun Devils' best recruiting class in program history in 2015, but much better than the 2.87 mark in his first year in 2012, the 2.92 mark in his second year in 2013, and even better than his 2016 class, which, of course, included the top junior college class in the country with a 3.05 star rating. This year, ASU signs 19 guys, 18 for rankings purposes, as Doug Suttle, a four-star recruit, didn't count in this average star rating, yet the Sun Devils still compile an average star rating of 3.22. Yeah, and um, we're, we're actually putting together some reporting on this, Kerry, about the uh, the importance of um, of having a lot of players on your roster who are four and five star recruits and where ASU is at in that regard now versus where it was a couple years ago or even when Todd Graham arrived uh, in the program. And I think that's a very, um, once people see that fully fleshed out, it's extremely clear as to the, the fact that a lot of the talent on the roster is more is younger. And when you look at the 2014 and 15 classes that you referenced there, those are ASU's best classes. Uh, those players were all really early in their Sun Devil careers for the most part, except for a couple JUCO guys, right? Um, you have um, those guys are now going to be a little bit older and maturing uh, um, on the roster in 2017 and then going into 2018. Uh, they'll probably have as many four stars, five stars in, in those two years as as uh, any time in uh, the last um, or in this century, really, since since the Scout.com started doing this. So um, that's something that we're looking forward to to providing as well to just uh, put a finer point on a lot of these things that we're talking about here. 
So let's take a look at the class makeup here for ASU. The size of the class, 19 signees, the Sun Devils announced on National Signing Day. That includes Doug Suttle, a 2016 signee who was not an academic qualifier last year, but he's a mid-year enrollee this year, four-star defensive end from the junior college ranks. He will not be included for rankings purposes. So 18 players the Sun Devils had included for rankings purposes. And of those 18 players, Chris, Nine from the state of Arizona, 17 are high school recruits. Yeah, I wrote a, a column on just the the obvious um, thing that stood out in this class, which was the in-state hall. Uh, you had ASU sign three of the top five prospects in Arizona uh, by scout. That's Ryan Kelly, the quarterback of Basha. Tyler Johnson is a defensive end Um could play tight end at the next level, maybe uh, out of Highland and KJ Jarrell, who's a safety out of Saguaro. Um, and all nine of these guys are high school prospects. ASU hasn't signed more than nine uh, high school players or total players even from the state of Arizona since 2002. So you have to go really back uh, quite a ways to, to, to get to a class like this. And importantly, in that 2002 class, ASU signed a lot more players. So as a percentage of its class, um, ASU's not done anything like this. Uh, getting nine guys out of, you know, it's it's not quite half, it's, but it's 40-plus percent of its class. Well, when you consider for rankings purposes, it is half, nine of the 18. Correct. And then, you know, Doug Suttle, you know, obviously doesn't count for ratings purposes because he counted last year for ASU for, for, for rankings and you know his status didn't he didn't play at a different at another you know school or anything like that so um but yeah nine out of 19 really um you know that's that's um an unprecedented development something we wrote a column about and um donnie yantis who is was in his first year as asu's um assistant ad for recruiting um was was very instrumental in that in that happening um todd graham referenced yantis several times during the uh, press conference that ASU had announcing its class, talking about his value from an organizational standpoint and keeping him focused as, as a lead recruiter, uh, which he feels like he's, he's needed to undertake given the constant coaching change that you have, uh, which has affected ASU pretty significantly the last two years. And, and Yantis has these very extensive connections and resources locally because he was a he played uh, high school football here locally became a high school coach paradise valley became the arizona christian university first head coach naia football and uh, a majority of that uh, program's talent came from local high schools uh, i think i counted something like 35 schools from arizona at one point that uh, had players on that acu roster so uh, no doubt that that helps in your ability to to access a lot of these local players there are some potential pitfalls associated with this because this is Yantis' first job at this level and in this capacity uh, that could lead to you having a um, you know a, a overly reliant um, um, situation as it as it as it uh, as it relates to your your recruiting effort and ASU only took one signee or two signees I guess if you count Doug Suttle right who uh, played. Um, in California, um, uh, and neither one of those guys played in California this past season. So, uh, and that that's very 
that's a that's a that's also an unprecedented development in ASU recruiting. Yeah, let's talk about California for ASU as a recruiting ground. We know that through the years, Arizona and California are the fertile recruiting hotbeds the Sun Devils have always relied on to stock their program with talent. And when you look at the talent acquisition process over the last 15 years or so for ASU, the Sun Devils have almost consistently had a, about half their class coming from Southern California, a few Northern California guys sprinkled in. There's years when ASU has signed upward of 15 players from the state of California. This year, it's Blake Barnett, a quarterback transfer from Alabama who went back home to Palomar College to really reset himself for the 2017 class, make himself available to sign. And Doug Suttle, who was a 2016 signee, so no high school recruits from the state of California, Chris. And it's so unprecedented that the last time ASU signed this few recruits from California was actually Graham's previous season, 2016, when the Sun Devils signed seven. And prior to that, ASU had always signed at least nine recruits from California. So to go from nine to seven down to two, it speaks to what you said, Donnie Yantis coming into the program and being so Arizona-based and the assistant coaching turnovers in which you're having some of your lead California recruiters, Dell Alexander, turning over on the staff, Chip Long as well. Jay Norvell. Jay Norvell as well. So you're looking at a program that has been historically reliant on California not being able to pull a single California high school recruit. Graham said something interesting about this on signing day, and I asked him, really candidly, point blank, about California recruiting. Um, he said that we, we had um, all of our staff recruits in Arizona, and we had six or seven guys recruiting California, but it just didn't work out that they took guys from the state that, that um, this year. And um, I was kind of surprised by that. And I, I think uh, just the, the uh, discrepancy from what is normal at ASU to what is now taking place is – uh, pretty profound. Uh, as you said, really quite uh, clearly there, Kerry, ASU took at least nine players in every single class from 2002 up until up through 2015 uh, from California. That's high school, junior college. So um, that's a lot. Okay. We're talking about, you know, probably a hundred and some odd, you know, uh, recruits over that stretch of time. And, then to see that that rate of that California recruit slow pretty uh, pretty um, significantly last year to dropping from nine a low of nine to six in 2016 and now having it go from six to two we've slowed to a total trickle um, and and granted as I said um, uh, in, in in setting up my question for Graham. Yes, Blake Barnett and Doug Suttle are at the top of the class, and both of those guys played in California. But the total absence of high school recruits from that state, I've never seen anything like that. And I, I would, in fact, I would venture a guess that we may not go another 15 years without seeing uh, ASU sign any high school players from the class. And Graham has said uh, multiple times, it, we want to recruit a gas tank away as our priority. Well, and that that's Arizona, but that's also California. And they used a, a sliver of the gas tank in yeah. in this cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, they they made it all around the state a few times <laughs> on, on a gas tank. I mean, considering most of the guys are from the East Valley anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he he just dropped down there in between breakfast and lunch and, <laughs> and, and got all those guys. But but no, but really, 
Um, th this is an important thing to, to think about moving forward because you're not going to be able to have top 25 classes at ASU without getting guys from California. It's almost impossible, and especially when you also don't take the high-profile junior college players that we've seen in the past um, under Graham. And, and that's something that also that was very glaring because ASU's 19 uh, additions in this signing class, only those two that we mentioned, Blake Barnett and Doug Suttle, um, come from the junior college level, right? Mm -hmm. and, and Blake Barnett didn't even play junior college football. He just was a Alabama pit stop at a JUCO to make sure that he was doing his academics and staying on, on track. Um, so yeah, I mean, just that, those things are just very, um, that the, what they did in Arizona, tremendous improvement and not just depth, but at the top, they did well. A, a lack of junior, junior college players, almost a total absence of junior college players, really, because Doug Suttle is a carryover. Barnett's really a D1 transfer, and there's nobody else. And then the uh, the total absence of high school players from California. Um, in, in some order, one, two, three, those are the, the big storylines from this class. And kind of the underrated storyline from this class is – ASU signing a record number of prospects out of the state of Texas. The Sun Devils hit the Midlands region hard. They got five players from Texas. They got Evan Fields from Oklahoma. Texas T. <laughs> and Todd Graham going back to his roots. Keith Patterson going back to his roots. Their college teammate was the high school coach at uh, Midland City High School in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where they got Evan Fields, who Graham called the headliner of the 2017 ASU signing class. They struck oil. <laughs> they were digging for oil. They had to. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, they, that was, um, and that's that's Graham, right? Graham is he's that's where his that's where he's from. Uh, high school coach at, at a couple of uh, prominent programs. In the Dallas area, his staff is largely comprised of Texas, Oklahoma uh, coaches. And then you have a few that are from the South. Who's from California? Nobody. Um, is that a factor in not recruiting a guy successfully from California? Of course. Um, you, um, you know, as I, as I said earlier, if you're really far flung with your recruiting operation and you're out of the, and you're out of the, the region, that makes it tougher to get guys in, in your traditional hotbeds. Um, and all programs need to be able to recruit within about a 500 mile radius or so uh, very successfully if they're going to have sustained, um, you know, good play, good, good results on, on the field. So, yeah, you know, Benjamin. To the, the point about Texas, he's one of the top two or three running backs that they got or that from the state. Um, very productive high school career. Uh, he was the number 10 ranked running back by scout, uh, just outside the top 100 players overall. They got another running back, Traylon Smith, who's probably one of the better uh, running backs from the Houston area. A guy that we like, Ty Thomas, mm -hmm. as a safety from Lubbock in, in West Texas. And has good bloodlines. Uh, dad and uncle were standout college players. Uncle Zach Thomas uh, played very successfully linebacker for the Dolphins. Um, and, and so, yeah, they, they did well in Texas, um, as you would imagine they would have to have done when, uh, you know, given some of the other things that we mentioned earlier. I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch the Sun Devils in the 2018 recruiting cycle, assuming this coaching staff is able to stick it out for another year because – 
Now Graham's staff is comprised of coaches almost exclusively with ties in the Midland region and in the South. When you consider new offensive line coach Josh Henson, he cut his teeth at Oklahoma State and LSU as a recruiting coordinator. Billy Napier, a recruiting coordinator as well, the new offensive coordinator at ASU, spent time at Alabama and Clemson, two of the most successful recruiting operations in the country over the past decade. And then you look at Rob Likens. He spent a lot of his career in the South, also spent two years out in California. It's a staff that's shaping up to be really interesting recruiting-wise in 2018. It's a storyline that we're going to be following extremely closely moving forward. And especially um, something we talk a lot more about on the premium, but there's only a few guys that they've offered locally in 2018. And you're not going to be able to probably take nine guys, even though Graham said we'll take nine every year. I don't think probably will in 2018 locally. Um, the 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 uh, tectonic movement of the Pac-12 in recruiting. Uh, Colorado and Utah have had better seasons. That means they're going to have better access to California. They both did that in this class. Washington uh, was a you know and made the the the, the playoff. They're in the final four. And 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 um, the kids that they don't take from the Pacific Northwest usually the rest of them are going to be from California. You have a resurgence of USC, UCLA is, is doing well. Stanford's always going to get it. It's 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 fill there. Oregon is now back in a different sort of a dynamic because they added a, a very good recruiting staff. So it's going to be hard to recruit out of California, but it's also a place where you need to be able to compete when you're when you went the the state next door, and one of the three most uh, talent rich uh, states uh, in the country. So that's a broad overview of the 2017 ASU signing class. Now we're going to get more specific and talk about the individual players that the Sun Devils ended up reeling in and announcing on National Signing Day. And we'll talk about what some of the coaches had to say about these prospects as well. Chris, when Todd Graham's signing day press conference started, immediately the theme was the word dynamic. He talked about uh, 17 of the 18 guys he talked about must have been dynamic. Oh, I think you're exaggerating. It was probably 15. (laughs) Okay, 15 Uh, guys (laughs) were dynamic. He said that the number one initiative for the Sun Devils was to get more explosive in this class. He felt that that's what they were lacking in 2015 and 2016 in those sub-500 seasons, and he felt that they had the depth along the offensive and defensive lines to really pursue a larger quantity of prospects at skill positions. Yeah, he said, look, we we felt good about our defensive line situation. We're, we have a lot of offensive linemen that we like, especially our interior guys. We didn't really need to take numbers there, um, and, and so only... 2D linemen, one offensive lineman, um, and then you have 16 players that are basically pass rushers or skill players around the around the field, um, and nothing in the way of an, an inside linebacker. So that really shows you where all the talent is. It's on the perimeter of the football field, um, and I think to that end, I think that in some ways they were successful, and in other ways they weren't. They're they're the Things that they really accomplished well in this class were quarterback recruiting. You get Blake Barnett, former five stars, you know, started as a retro freshman in the season opener against USC. That's a great addition. He's got three more years of eligibility starting now. He's able to play, as we first reported, um, from that August 31st opener against New Mexico State. He has to win the job to be able to, to do that. But um, 
But then, of course, they also got Ryan Kelly out of Bash. I mentioned him earlier, four-star prospect. Um, ASU is just loaded at the quarterback position with guys who at least were uh, considered to be very well regarded um, in their respective recruiting classes. Uh, the running back hall was very good. Of course, ASU has Demario Richard and Kalen Balazs returning. And then a couple guys uh, underneath them. And now you get Eno Benjamin, 7,500-yard rusher in Texas. He had over 5,000 yards the last two seasons, over 100 uh, touchdowns in his career. And that's in the Dallas Metroplex where you have some of the best um, talent and at the 5A level. Um, and Traylon Smith, as we mentioned earlier. So they did really good at quarterback, really good at running back on offense, did only took one offensive lineman, didn't get an offensive tackle. That's a glaring miss. That I think they needed an offensive tackle. Uh, they traded um, Jared Poplowski for Mark Walton, a one in-state tight end for another, basically because Poplowski flipped on ASU late uh, in the process. Um, and then wide receiver, they only took one. Curtis Hodges, um, I, think, I think that that, um, wasn't as big of a need as Graham said due to the additions of Ryan Newsom and John Humphrey um, and, and as D1 transfers in the last class. And um, and then on defense, carry five defensive backs, three safeties, spur bandits, uh, all high school, two corners, field side safeties. I think they needed more there. I think they probably could have... Um, been really benefited by having a junior college player, at least one, maybe two, another high school player perhaps, no inside linebacker, and two defensive linemen. I think overall the class is a little bit light uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, on defense, Graham said that they really prioritized speed and explosiveness in the defensive backfield, but they weren't able to pull in as many true cornerbacks as they really wanted to. They were able to get Alex Perry, one of the top cornerbacks in the West, uh, by virtue almost of being the younger brother of Armand Perry, uh, who started at safety for ASU, the starting field safety in 2016. And they were also able to get a late commitment, a signing day commitment from two-star prospect Langston Frederick, who is a speed guy. He's more slightly built, but he's a, a pure speed guy. He's run a sub-4, 540-yard dash, and those were the two cornerbacks that ASU went in on. But the Sun Devils probably would have liked at least two more at that position. That seems to be where they fell short. And like you said, they also fell short at offensive tackle, where Graham said on National Signing Day that the Sun Devils were in pursuit of offensive tackles. He knew it was a need, but he wanted the right offensive tackle. And it was tough for ASU. They recruited a pair of guys in Austin Jackson and George Moore who made their decisions late in the process. Jackson ultimately choosing to go to USC over ASU in Washington. And George Moore, the junior college player, uh, electing to choose Oregon over a slew of Pac-12 offers as well. The Sun Devils were in early in the process on Ronald Rudd, a player who committed to Louisville. He was brought in for an official visit in December, but really three tackles that they tripped out during this process and that they struck out on. So the Sun Devils potentially are now looking at a position where they need to make a post-signing day addition, whether it be a junior college guy who figures out he's eligible for the 2017 class or a graduate transfer at offensive tackle. I think they probably, in retrospect, wish that they had been on more offensive linemen, offensive tackles, but they're really hard to come by. They lose Chris Thompson late in the process to TCU, um, and, and that made it hard. And so uh, they're going to have to figure that out with their roster. They have no obvious replacement at left tackle for Evan Goodman this year, right? So um, 
that was clearly an area where they probably could have used somebody else. As I said, I think um, I think in, in your secondary, they're, they're, they're light on scholarship numbers at corner and field side safety. Of course, this was the defense that really struggled quite a bit against the pass the last couple of years. And they're going to be going through a reworking at some level with Phil Bennett coming in and, and uh, taking over the defense. At least that's what's been articulated to be the case. So I'm kind of interested to see kind of what happens there. They definitely, from a D1 transfer standpoint, they uh, have space to add a few guys, and they, they did that successfully at receiver last year. And and this year, um, if, if they're able to get either immediately eligible players, guys who are postgraduate transfers like a Devin Lucian who had a big impact on the roster two years ago. Former four-star recruit. Exactly. Um, that would be great for them in the, in the secondary in particular. Uh, and, and, and then maybe also having guys that can sit out a year who are younger in their careers and, and then be able to impact the depth chart after that. I think they've had some success there, and so we'll see what happens. We'll talk a little bit in a moment about some of the players that Todd Graham really highlighted that he really liked in this 2017 signing class. But before we do that, Chris, we went extremely in-depth on all of the players that ASU signed on our premium podcast. And what was nice about the premium podcast is we were able to kind of plan it out. We knew what was coming, and so did the folks in the Devil's Sanctuary because this year on the Devil's Sanctuary, you got every forecast correct for recruits. So fans who were signed up, who are on the site, who go there religiously, as many of them do, knew exactly what the expectations were heading into signing day. The Sun Devils had 17 players that they were in on the day before signing day, and you knew beforehand, if you were on the Devil's Sanctuary, that ASU was going to get commitments from Langston Frederick and Shannon Foreman. Those were the predictions, and ASU ends up getting those two players on signing day. Yeah, all, all of the forecasts that we had ahead of signing day were accurate. Uh, and then in addition to that, uh, any of the public declarations that were made in December and January, um, we had forecast correctly before those were, were made. So that's, that was really cool to see. I think that's one of the things that we strive for every year. And we've had, especially with a few of the in-state um, guys over the years, higher profile guys that make have press conferences late in the in the in the period. We've been wrong a few times. Um, I'm going to blame the license plate situation on 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 Todd Heap. People will remember that. You you, you probably are, don't remember that, Carrie. But no, I was in grade school. No, I was, <laughs> I'm kidding. I think you were. I think you were early in your college tenure actually when that happened. But um, yeah, but but um, no, we we definitely. Uh, missed a few guys, um, you know, here and there in, in the past, but they were higher profile guys, very visible. And this year we didn't have any, any misses. And that's not, that's not easy to do. Um, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but um, some of these things are so fluid and they go all the way up until the last hours. Uh, and, and so, uh, um, that was great, and and the, you know the people who like to follow this stuff on on social media or just what's 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 out there with the free reporting, um, there's just no way that that gives that you're going to get the same uh, understanding of of the how and the why on all these things, and then also uh, being able to articulate why ASU didn't get certain guys and how that how that actually played out behind the scenes is also something that we like to do. So. Um, Go ahead and and it's still in the, even in the, even though it's the off season, 
we're going to be grinding on a lot of analysis things that we're doing and, and, and setting up for this really important um, year ahead. We're going to be looking very extensively at the, the defenses of Phil Bennett um, at Baylor. We're going to take a, a much more in-depth um, sort of perspective on what ASU's offense may look like under Billy Napier and, and so much more coming up. Yeah, a lot to look forward to, especially in preparation for spring ball. Chris and I are going to do uh, a premium podcast, a premium podcast primer on uh, what positions we project ASU's defensive players to be at, what positions uh, we expect ASU's offensive players to be at, given the fact that there are two new coordinators, uh, both on different sides of the ball. So ASU could be undergoing a lot of change, and ASU's players could be going under change as well, because as we know, we've followed the depth chart closely. We've followed the signing day additions closely. There's still demonstrated positions of need ASU needs help at, and we'll be looking at the futures of guys like Doug Suttle, Karan Crump, who are going to figure prominently into this ASU defense in 2017. We're going to figure out where they're going to figure in prominently. You know, our our free podcast really is kind of a podcast, Kerry. We're, uh, we're, we're trying to get uh, people to, to, to join our site. So that was a little bit of a slip of the tongue on your part, but I thought that was uh, definitely uh, appropriate. And, and, um, and there's, there's, there's so much more to unpack from what happened last season, why the defenses really struggled, a new coordinator for the third season in a row. Um, I'm really excited to really dive into that. Our focus, obviously, in, in the last couple of months has been almost uh, exclusively recruiting. And now you get to kind of move beyond that and do a lot of other things. Um, we're going to have a, a lot more a lot more guests on our podcast uh, in the off season as, as we um, have talked about previously as well, including Rocky Harris, who we, who we had uh, on once. Um, that's sort of like um, an example of some of the things that we're going to have coming up. So to wrap this podcast up, Chris, let's talk about the guys that Todd Graham really highlighted that he seemed to be the highest on in this 2017 signing class. It's no surprise that since he really liked the way ASU recruited the quarterback, running back, and bandit spur positions, that the players that he liked the most really played those positions. And first, we'll take a look at Evan Fields, who he started off his press conference with. He said on the morning of signing day, he told Evan Fields that he was the headliner and that he was going to be the guy who was going to be talked about first because he's the addition he's most excited about. So one of the things that I was struck by was Graham actually had an average GPA of the class that he talked about, 3.06. You don't really see too many coaches come up to the podium and say, uh, early on in their signing day press conference, we got a 3.06 signing class GPA. Well, uh, Evan Fields is a 3.9 GPA, um, according to what what Fields said and ASU has said. He's one of at least four guys who are going to be applying to the Barrett Honors College at ASU. And so the, um, not only is he a smart uh, high school graduate to be coming up here in, in the coming months, but also a very physical hard-nosed kid. Uh, he actually broke his arm uh, in, in at an a, a, um, evaluation camp that ASU coaches were at, and he kept playing because he wanted to make an impression. And he told us that for reasons he doesn't really understand, he actually grew up rooting for ASU, even though he's from Oklahoma and and whatever. But um, 
very um, highly pursued late in the process by other schools, Oregon, UCLA, Notre Dame, and others all jumped in with offers. Lady had 30-plus offers in the process. He got bumped up to a four-star recruit because he had really good senior film uh, despite only playing, I think, seven games because he was injured. Um, Keith Patterson has talked about him being a, a bandit. That's what uh, Fields has told us that that uh, he's going to play. Uh, um, that's a third level safety for a third level defender for ASU, but uh, on the boundary side where there's less um, space to cover a lot of the time. And and yeah, we we believe that he's probably better suited to play spur long term and, and could be a factor there early on in his career. Second player I want to highlight, we've already talked about him on the podcast, but Eno Benjamin, the running back from Texas, Wiley East High School, had over 7,500 total yards from scrimmage in his high school career, over 100 touchdowns, and one of the most challenging places to play high school football, and he was an absolute standout at Wiley East. 5'10", 205 pounds, um, very good scheme versatility. I think that he can play in pretty much anything that that you put at him. Um, he did a, a, a great job of helping ASU recruit in this class and was very active. Uh, he's in, very engaging with fans on social media. When he, when he decommitted from Iowa b- b- before he uh, switched his pledge to ASU, he actually wrote a long um, articulation of why that happened, which I, I had not really seen before that I thought was very well done. So he's mature. And then on the field, uh, enormously productive uh, there's a um, there's just a, a combination of balance, vision, and uh, uh, and and um, an ability to break tackles that combine to give you a really good prospect. He's sort of like a Demario Richard, but I think he probably has a little more open field um, speed. The last guy I want to talk about, the guy that Coach Graham gave a raving review about and said that he had earned the Coach Graham scholarship, is the Sun Devils' lone offensive line signee, Corey Stevens, out of Saguaro. <laughs> yeah, Kevin said in the premium podcast that was a new one. That Graham, <laughs> Graham had never um, said before that there were two um, special scholarships that he reserves and, and has a, the ability to decide. I, I thought he had the ability to decide on all of the scholarships, but... Um, but regardless yeah. of need, yeah, no matter what, these are these are guys we just they can't already miss have on. four quarterbacks. They're going to bring in a fifth. <laughs> yeah. Well, with Corey Stevens, it does kind of make sense. I mean, um, has one of the higher ACT scores of anybody I've talked to as an ASU recruit. Four point five GPA. He'll be a, uh, basically a straight A student with honors, and he'll be a Barrett Honors College guy. And he projects the center. I think he has a, a violent punch. Uh, not the most mobile uh, interior offensive lineman, but somebody that I think is um, he, he plays over his feet well. He has good balance and and uh, flexibility. Um, I think he's has uh, active hands. I, I so there's a lot a lot there from an intangible standpoint and enough on the field that he's demonstrated in film that at a school like Saguaro, um, taking a guy like that makes a lot of sense. So that's our recap of ASU's 2017 signing class, the 44th ranked class nationally in the scout team rankings. But as you know, there are multiple ways to evaluate this class. And we'll be writing a lot about this in the coming weeks 
on sundevilsource.com, breaking down this class from every angle and breaking down the broader narratives, providing historical context on where ASU is as a program right now, entering Todd Graham's sixth season as the head coach. Chris, spring ball just around the corner. We're about five, six weeks out. So we're going to have position previews on every single position, what a depth chart might look like, who are sleeper candidates to emerge, uh, and analysis of, of what guys need to do transitioning from last season to this coming season to be able to take that next step in their careers, uh, which players may be benefited by the coaching changes that we see uh, on the ASU uh, um, uh, practice field there at Kajikawa. And, and we're out there every single day. Haven't missed a practice since uh, 1974. And uh, so we're very excited. Me included. Yeah. I mean, exactly. You were there, you know, 20 years before you were born. (laughs) So, um, no, but we're we're really excited about it. And spring is a really fun time. We're also going to have interviews with all of ASU's assistant coaches coming up. And that will provide a much greater window into their thoughts uh, once they have the ability to study and understand their personnel. So a lot to look forward to. Thanks so much for tuning in this week and hearing about the 2017 ASU recruiting class. National Signing Day has come and gone, and spring ball is just around the corner. For SunDevilSource.com publisher Chris Cartman, I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. Thanks so much for joining us this week.